Welcome to the Converge Community Church Podcast, where we provide for you the previous Sunday morning sermon. And now without further ado, may the Holy Spirit minister to your heart as you hear the preaching of God's Word. Um, well, welcome. And if you missed the announcements, what's happening this Friday? Prayer walk. Where's, where are we meeting? Here. What time? You guys were listening. Great job. That's excellent. So maybe that's more effective not to put it in the bulletin. And we'll just kind of review uh, those things like that. But write it down. We love to see it there. Um, and God moves through prayer. Uh, do you hunger for that day when Christ returns and we'll stand with him in glory? Um, what a great song that is. Um, what do you want in life? Besides that, what, what are you looking forward to? If you, had, if you have a genie, you know the story of Aladdin, if you have a genie in a bottle and you rub the lamp and then out pops this person and you can get uh, three wishes, you can't get any more, what would you want? Yeah, I think a number of us might want some similar things. Maybe you want more uh, money or better health, your kids to walk with the Lord. Um, you know, we might have similar desires, but after three, then it kind of starts differentiating. Maybe there's, there's some different ones out there. So I thought of a few. And think about what do you, what do you want? What, we got an answer there? We got a couple answers there? How about a better job? Maybe an updated house and improved love life? Uh, maybe you want some respect. Can I get a little respect? I think of Roger Dangerfield. Um, life direction, those college kids out there, I want some direction in life. Uh, time off. I think everybody loves vacation. Um, what do you want? What gets you up in the morning? What motivates you and, and inspires you? What do you look forward to? What are, your, what are you hoping for? Is it something simple or complex, something small, something big, something urgent uh, or unimportant? What do you hope for? Well, the, the text this morning takes us on a journey exploring our hopes and shows us that Jesus gives us something more than anyone else could ever offer or provide. So if you have your Bibles, you can follow along. We're in Matthew, in our Matthew series. We'll start at chapter 12, verse 15. Would you please stand with me in honor of God's Word? And if you can't, that's okay. Um, I'm going to have Erica come up here and read for us. Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there, and many followed him, and healed them. he healed them all, and ordered them not to make him known. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, my servant with whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will pro- proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will he nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench, until he brings justice to victory, and in his name the Gentiles will hope. Thanks. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we need you. Thank you for justice and mercy and hope. Thank you for help in times of trouble. Help us. Uh, Some need to wake up and shake up, and you deserve 
we des- you deserve our attention. And so we pray that you would open the eyes of the blind and soften hearts and move us toward you. Some need comfort, feeling bruised, exhausted, like that smoldering wick, that, that bruised reed, vulnerable. Comfort us. Lord, others need direction. Grant guidance. And some are doing great. They're feeling fine. Lord, help inspire us, motivate us to persevere and press on and to continue the fight of faith. We all need you. We all need to hear from you. We need your grace. We need your grace right now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So as I said, we're working through Matthew verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Uh, In the book, we discover that Jesus is the king that God had promised a long time ago, and now he's on the scene. And we have a phrase for Matthew, follow the promised king into his kingdom. That's the theme of the book of Matthew. You'll see it over and over again in different ways as we read the book. In chapter 12, we read that, that religious leadership is following Jesus, but for the wrong reason. They're keeping tabs on him that they might kill him. In a few verses that Erica read, we have a familiar scenario. Jesus is on the move. People are following. He's healing, and he's telling people, don't tell anyone. In verse 17 through 21, we read this prophecy, this policy, sorry, this policy of secrecy fulfills prophecy. This, this policy of secrecy fulfills prophecy. Jesus is, the, is God's servant on a mission to announce and usher in justice and kindness and mercy to a hurting world. The result is a blessing for everyone who will receive it. Matthew is passing this blessing on to us, his readers. I think God wants us in this passage to place our hope in Jesus. We have all these things we want. We, we have all these wishes in life, and he wants our ultimate hope grounded in Jesus. Where's our hope? If you have a Bible, let me encourage you to follow along. We're going to be digging into chapter 12, starting at verse 15, and we'll work verse by verse. What does verse 15, the first part of verse 15 say? It says this, Jesus, aware of this, withdrew from there. We'll stop at that point. What is he referring to? What is this? What is there? We got to get the context. In our Sunday school hour before this, we talked about that. Where do we get the context? We go back a verse, go back to verse 14. And the passage before that, Jesus is in uh, where? He's in a synagogue. What's a synagogue? It's like a church for the Jewish people. It's a house of worship and teaching and training and equipping. Jesus was Jewish. And who else is there? The Pharisees are there. They're Jewish. They're the teachers. And they encounter each other. The Pharisees try to trap him in his words. They have this perspective about the Sabbath, which is Friday to Saturday. Their perspective is you can't work, which is part of the Ten Commandments. And so they ask him, hey, can you heal on the Sabbath? And they're not asking him because they're interested in finding out what the truth is. They want to trap him. Jesus, they know, is a healer. And they're hoping he would say, yeah. And he, in a cagey way, responds and upsets them further because he does perform a miracle, and it is the Sabbath. They're so upset that they begin to plot his death. And then we get to verse 15, and we see what this and there are. Jesus, aware of this, 
this death plot, this murderous intent, withdrew from there, the synagogue. He got out of Dodge. He left town or left this area. And we get to verse 15. And many followed him, and he healed them all and ordered them not to make him known. So this, this idea of following, like we talked about, the following is again and again in Matthew. People follow him from all over. They follow him in Galilee. They follow him in Judea, which is that whole region. They follow him from Jerusalem. They follow him from a place called the Decapolis, which is, means 10 cities. They follow him across beyond the River Jordan. The word is spread and people are following him. You have fishermen that follow him, the disciples. Matthew, who, was, who wrote this book, was a tax collector. He followed them. We know the Pharisees are following him too. They're keeping their tabs on him, but also the sick, the people who are looking, longing for some help and relief. Jesus is a teacher and a healer unlike anyone else on the planet. He wasn't calling attention to himself, except he did mention earlier to his disciples, go out and tell them the kingdom of, of God is here. But he's telling people to be quiet, regardless Are people? No, the word is spreading like wildfire. He is massively popular, and and we could you can imagine why, right? Who wouldn't want to watch a miracle happen or or receive, be a recipient if you're sick, to be a recipient of a a healing? Um, And you remember back then in Jesus' time, there are no hospitals. There's no St. Franciscans or you know Lake Lakelands. There's no hospitals like we have here. They, they have old wives' tales and home remedies. There's no pharmacy. You can go, can't go to Walgreens, can't go to CVS, can't go to Rite Aid. Perhaps there was a witch doctor. You know, there, there's prayer. But that's, that's about it. People have little hope when they're sick. But what about, uh, Proverbs says this. It says, a hope deferred makes a heart sick. And here you have Jesus who comes to to this little area, and everyone is healed. And so what happens to the heart that hopes for healing when it's satisfied? I think there's excitement. There's enthusiasm. Unless you're a Pharisee, a keeper of the law, and you see the rising star of Jesus, your arch enemy, this person who's thwarting your power base, disrupting your, your perspective on what is right, So why does Jesus here, why does Jesus do these miracles, do you think, and he wants people to be quiet about him? Was it modesty? Modesty in the midst of the miraculous? He was humble. At the end of the book, he tells people, though, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. He doesn't seem to shy away from proclaiming who he is at the end of the book and telling people to go share it. So I don't think what's happening here is just a a humility. I think something else is happening. One of his followers at the end of the uh, writes later, at the end of time, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So Jesus is more than meets the eye. He's not a mere mortal. He's the Lord and the master of all. So why does he want people to be silent? I think it was because in one sense, 
People's chatter would accelerate the confrontation that culminates in his execution. It would speed along his death, and there's a timing that needs to happen. But I think in another sense, we see the reason in verse 17. So, so if you have your Bibles, let's go back to chapter 12, verse 17. What does it say? Matthew tells us, this, referring to this quiet secrecy, was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Jesus' quiet attitude, his, his instruction for quiet and silence, is to fulfill prophecy in Isaiah, specifically Isaiah chapter 42. And, and then we see, if you've followed along in our series, prophecy is a big deal to Matthew. He talks about it again and again and again. Jesus is, is more than a man, and it's really cool how he's fulfilling prophecies. And so I, I did a little research. I've heard this before. Um, there's some 300 prophecies, predictions about who this Messiah would be. So the Jewish people, they still believe that a Messiah is to come, and it's just not Jesus. A Messiah is going to come, and the, the idea that he would be born of Abraham would just be one example. That he would be born of David. So if you go through your genealogy, he's born of David. Um, and then you start going along. You remember what he said to John the Baptist, uh, his disciples. Remember what I see in here that the blind receive sight, the, the deaf hear, the mute speak, the dead are raised. Those are all prophecies that are predicted in the Old Testament. There's some 300. Now, if you were just to take eight prophecies, eight prophecies of Jesus and line up, okay, it's, it's got to be out of all the population of the world, he's got to be Jewish, born of Abraham. And, and out of that, all the, those born who were Jewish, he's got to be from the line of David. And out of that, he's born in Bethlehem. And out of that, you kind of, you narrow it down. If you just had eight, that's the kind of probability of having two feet of silver dollar coins all over the state of Texas, marking one and then picking that one out out of random. It, the probability is, is inconceivable. And the only way that it could be, you could pick that one is by divine providence, by God himself ordaining Jesus to be the answer to his promises hundreds of years before. God did this. Jesus was more than a man, a teacher, and miracle worker. He was the answer to what God had predicted. He was the Messiah mentioned in Isaiah. He is the Lord. In verse 18, Matthew quoted this prophecy showing four descriptions of him. Who is this Jesus? Here's what Isaiah says 700 years before. Look at chapter 12, verse 18. Behold my servant whom I have chosen, my beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. Note these four descriptions. First, God loves him. First, God is described as a servant. That means he was the agent of the, crea agent of the creator of the universe. Jesus worked his... God's will. Secondly, God chose him. He selected and handpicked him to be his helper. Thirdly, that's, I jumped ahead, that's his love. He loves him. Jesus is the object of his affection, the apple of his eye, his treasure. And finally, God is pleased with him. He's delighted in him. Jesus is his joy. We're going to see this kind of language from Isaiah chapter 42 in, verse, in chapter 17. And we've already seen it in chapter 3. In chapter 17, Matthew tells us, we'll, we'll preach on this later this year, but Jesus goes up on a mountain. It's called the Mount of Transfiguration. And he's transformed. He's only got three dis disciples with him. Do you remember who they are? Uh, Peter, James, and John. It's like the inner circle. 
And then all of a sudden, Moses and Elijah appear. They had been dead for hundreds of years before. They appear. And Jesus is transformed. God transforms him in, 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 his, in glory. And Peter's like, hey, maybe we should camp out here. We'll just make a tent right now and just, we'll just hang out. And this is what the, the Jesus is like, no. Uh, but the father speaks and he says this. And listen for Isaiah 42 or Matthew chapter 12, verse 18 in this. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Consider that, that message, the uncaused cause. God has never, never been created or caused. The first being who always existed, the alpha and the omega, the, the beginning and the end, the omnipotent. He's all powerful, the omnipresent. He's all present, the omniscient, the all-knowing God. Speaking of a servant he chose, he loved, he delighted in. Matthew tells us that Jesus is the savior of Israel. He saves, he will save his people from their sin. He is the promised son of David, the descendant of Abraham. He fulfills Old Testament prophecies and is the shepherd of God's sheep. That includes us. He is God's one and only son, the son of God and the son of man. He is the Messiah and Lord. And if God chose him and loved him and delights in him, how should we treat him? How should we treat him tomorrow and this week? Matthew will show us that Jesus deserves our attention. He came to do more than just heal a few people that he happened to meet or be brought to him. He is the one we can truly put our hope, our ultimate hope in when things are going good and when things are going really bad. The prophecy of Isaiah 42 is coming true. God answered it in Matthew chapter 3 as well. So if you have your Bibles, let's, let's do a little exercise. You, I'll have it up here, but if you have a Bible, you can go to chapter 3. We'll keep your finger in chapter 12. We'll be back there. But you go back a few chapters to chapter 3, and you can hear Isaiah 42 fulfilled in this verse as well. What does it say in verse 13? So look at verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now for thus it's fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus was baptized immediately, he went up from the water, and behold, the, the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Do you hear the echoes of Isaiah 42? God put his Spirit on Jesus. The Spirit of God is on him. This is more than a man. This is more than a teacher, more than a miracle worker, more than a historical figure. Let's jump back to chapter 12, verse 18. It says, I will put my spirit upon him. The Holy Spirit rests on Jesus. And so we see the fulfillment. And the spirit uniquely is on Jesus. This is a, a Trinitarian revelation with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. It's a mystery and a reality. 
that Matthew brings up in the end of the book. He brings up in chapter 3 and chapter 12. Um, he brings it up again and again, and part of Isaiah's prophecy is seen here as well. This Trinitarian reality is here. What did Isaiah say that this servant would do and not do? So we're trying to understand who Jesus is. Isaiah, Matthew says, talks about him and what he does and doesn't do. Look at the rest of verse 18 and and part of 19. And he will proclaim justice to the Gentiles. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. Jesus is proclaiming justice. But at the same time, he is not quarreling. He's not fighting. We talked in Sunday school. What does this imply? That there's another side. That there are those who are quarreling with him. There are those who are arguing. And as we read in chapter or verse 14, those seeking to destroy him. We yearn in life for justice. I think deep down there's a desire for justice. Those of us who've been wronged, hurt, bullied, abused, wounded, we long for justice. And there's a sense that we have a a, a wonderful justice system in America that helps mediate justice, but it comes up short. No judge or jury can perfectly right all wrongs. They can't bring the dead back to life. The scars can't be erased. How can there be justice with all the evil in the world? Where is their hope? Revenge can feel satisfying, but it doesn't last. Legislation and politicians have limited reach and scope. None can bring a just remedy to all wrongs. Only Jesus can bring justice to victory, which we'll see this verse here. It's kind of interesting that justice to victory, or another way of saying it, victorious justice. Yet before he does that, he doesn't quarrel or cry aloud in the streets at his, at his suffering, at the injustice he faces. He bites his tongue and bides his time, and he departs from there in verse 15. And when people, when people are excited, he tells them, hey, shh, let's keep this quiet. Even at his trial, he doesn't defend himself to stop his death. The time is running out. His accusers are closing in. The prophecies are spoken. And Jesus is the Messiah. And he must die so that we can live. Isaiah chapter 53, you don't need to go there. Verse 7 speaks of this. This is just another prophecy predicting of who this servant will be. The words are on the screen here. And again, if you like, hey, I'm moving through text pretty fast. On your Connect card, you can write, hey, I like the the weekly emails. Check that off. We can send you, in the weekly emails, there's there's the manuscript. So I write all these verses down. Jeff writes all the verses down. Mike writes it down. And so, and Joe, so you can receive these verses if you can't get them all. Um, But Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7, it says this, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that's led to the slaughter, like a sheep before 
its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. His ministry was to the Jewish people. And for his people, he died. However, his heart extends beyond his ethnic heritage to you and I. And he will bring justice and mercy and kindness to the Gentile. Justice will be victorious. The word Gentile, or in Greek, it's ethnos, it's nations, is a a theme of Matthew. And this is a a Jewish readership. They understand when he says Isaiah, he's not explaining who Isaiah is. He's not explaining Abraham. He's not explaining all this stuff. These people understand what he's getting at. But Christianity is expanding beyond the walls of the synagogue, beyond the nation of Israel, expanding out. And it's expanded even today so that those who are non-Jewish of heritage, God is inviting into a relationship, a personal relationship. Initially, God called the Jewish people to apart from the world, to be holy and set apart in, in theology and custom and relationships, that people would see the, the di- marked difference between them and others. And there'd be, it would be attractional and that people would, would come to him. And we know his heart for the nations begins prior to Jesus. In Genesis chapter 12, Jesus calls Abraham out of the the world. And he says, I will bless you that you may be a blessing to all peoples. And from you will become a huge nation. And how does he accomplish this? It is through the seed of Abraham that he would spread this blessing. Jesus was the descendant of Abraham and offering hope for all who will believe. At that time of this healing, hope is in the air. People had seen with their eyes or experienced in their bodies the miraculous healing of Jesus. And Matthew saying, the prophecy is being fulfilled. Jesus is on the scene. His kingdom is coming. Victory is on its way. Justice is on its way. Now, Jesus didn't use a bugle or this mass marketing scheme to get the word out. In fact, he did say, you know, be quiet. And he's plodding along year after year, day after day, and begins his ministry at 30. He submits to the will of the Father and the Spirit and points people to the reality that God is doing something never done before. His kingdom is on the move. Justice is on the way. And the healings and the prophecy are pointing people toward himself. Look at verse 20. And we get a description of himself that is it's kind of curious. Verse 20. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench. Jesus is not the typical spiritual leader. He wasn't building a followership or padding his pocketbook or ensuring that everyone you know, knew how great he was. He is not about himself. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wilk he will not quench. What does that mean? What do you think that means? I, I, I have a scholar that I've been leaning on as we're going through this. His name's R.T. France, and he wrote this. I'll just read it. A reed was used for measuring and for support so that 
once its straightness was lost by bending or cracking, it's of no further use. A strip of linen cloth used as a lamp wick, if it smokes, it's no use for giving light and is simply a source of pollution. It's in danger of going out altogether. Common sense would demand that both be replaced, the reed being snapped and discarded or burned, and the wick extinguished. The imagery thus describes an extraordinary willingness to encourage damaged or vulnerable people, giving them a further opportunity to succeed, which a results-oriented society would deny them. The servant will not be quick to condemn or discard, but will persevere until God's purposes, a purpose of justice has been achieved. I like that. Jesus was extraordinarily willing to encourage those who were damaged and vulnerable. It sounds similar to chapter 11, right? Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me, for my burden is easy and my yoke is light. He is gentle and lowly. He is compassionate and gracious. He is precisely what people need in the midst of pain and suffering. He isn't rude, rough, or harsh, dealing with the bruised reed of the smoldering wick. He is not hypocritical, arrogant, or vain. He cares for the hurting, weak, and marginalized. Think of those people in those situations, and maybe that's where you're at. And think of the hope or encouragement or comfort that offers. Do you long for someone who cares? Who listens? Who loves? One day injustice will cease and God will move in power and right all wrongs. All wrongs. He cares about the starving and the victim. He cares about the single parent trying to make ends meet. He cares about the disabled and the broken. He cares about the people experiencing poverty and homelessness. He cares about those on the fringes of society, the simple, as well as he cares about the bright and beautiful. So maybe you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm not that, but he cares. He loves. The Bible tells us that God loves the world so much that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He sent Jesus as a representative to the world in love. That whoever believes in him might have life. And he invites us into that. So let's place our hope in Jesus. I think this passage is is calling out for us to place our ultimate hope in Jesus. Look at verse 20. It goes on until he brings justice to victory. And we were talking in our Sunday school class, that's a little odd phrasing, he brings justice to victory. I think one version says, victorious justice. Justice wins out in the end. One person said, the good beats out the bad, or wins out the bad in the end in our Sunday school class. I like that. Justice will arrive one day. There is an end in sight, and God will judge the living and the dead. And that's good news. Unless you're on the side of the Pharisee, Unless you're living a life for self, you're running from God, it's not too late. Time is not run out. You can turn, if that is you, turn from rebellion, whatever your past is, turn to the truth instead of the lies, turn to the pure, holy God instead of lust, turn from gossip to the good God of truth. 
turn from complaining and selfishness to the God, the generous God who gives out of his abundance and gives and gives and gives. Turn. Time is running out. And there is mercy for those who seek it. Let's look at the last word, verse 21. In his name, the Gentiles will hope. And there we have the word Gentile again. A shocker for those who are in this narrow perspective. It's only about us. His heart is for the nations. In his name, the Gentiles will hope. The Pharisees had hope. Their hope was that Jesus would die. Others, I assumed, hoped that looking for some kind of entertainment or maybe a they wanted a, their problem fixed and didn't realize that ultimately their hope needs to be in Jesus. I was thinking about this passage, and I, I, we all have desires, right? We all have things we want. And I'm reading through my Bible, and I land on Psalm 40, 146, and it just echoes of the, the dichotomy, the difference between putting our hope in, a, in some person and putting our hope in in the person, in putting your hope in, in this world and putting your hope in Jesus. I think as we get to a, a, another election cycle next year, people are going to put a lot of hope in, the, in, in a political party or political person or political solution, a legislation, and, and, and we're citizens, so we have an opportunity to participate in this great free country. Awesome. But ultimately, our hope needs to be in Jesus. Psalm 46, 146 says this, Put not your trust in princes in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. And on that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who's made heaven and earth and the sea and all that's in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets his, the prisoner free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will reign forever. Can I get an amen? In his name, the Gentiles will hope. When you hear the name of Jesus, what goes through your mind? What goes through your heart? Do you hope? Is it just a historical person? A fact? Is it a slang? You know, some kind of off word? In his name, the Gentiles will hope. Do you find Jesus your hope? In the end of the Bible, the last book of Revelation, there's this longing where you, you read this crazy apocalyptic vision of what's going to happen. And at the end, it's, this phrase is repeated, come Lord Jesus, quickly come. And maybe in life, you're just like fed up with it. I'm just sick of this. Whether it's work, home, school, health, I'm just sick of it. And you can hear the longing of those who are reading Matthew or suffering persecution or those across the world who are suffering persecution or those who are dealing with persecution or just trials. And Matthew is in his name, the Gentiles have hope. And you hear in that, that phrase, come Lord Jesus, quickly come. There's this longing. Let me, 
let me just end with three to three different challenges. Well, one, if if you find yourself, you know what, I kind of relate to those Pharisees. It's okay. Now turn from that. Place your hope in Jesus. It's not too late. Right now, we're we're one day closer to his return, and there will be justice, and you don't want to be on that side of justice. Turn from sin and trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of sin. Do that today in your heart. You just ask God, please forgive me for my sin. I don't want to live this way. I'm bound in sin. I have ran the wrong direction. I want to follow you. And and what does that mean? What does it mean to follow Jesus? Well, I bet you a number of people here know how to do that and are doing that. You could ask them. You can ask me. Being here is a great start, right? We're in our Bibles. We're we're praying. We're singing. We're trying. Okay, I want to follow you, Jesus. We can do this. Place your hope in Jesus. There's another group of people I want to talk to who are suffering and you're longing for Jesus, his help. This is, this, it's going to get better. Paul says that we have a, a he says that the problems we face right now are light and momentary in comparison to the glory that will be revealed. One day, it's going to be all better. There's no more tears in heaven. There's no more pain. There's no more sickness. There's no more sin. And we are one day closer to that day where he returns and takes us home or we go home and we're just living in the presence of his glory. And it is going to be a really good day. Place your hope in Jesus. We can have these, we can have other hopes. We don't need to, we're not called to live in a monastery. We live in this world, but we don't need to be of the world. We're, we're living in this world with desires and dreams and wishes. Yes. But ultimately put your hope in Jesus. It, He's coming back. He's going to take his bride with him. And it's going to be a good day. Persevere. And finally, there's some of us, you know, we're, we're there. We're hoping in Jesus. Let me encourage you to keep on keeping on. Endure to the end. Do not give up. Do not grow faint. Do not grow weary. Place your hope in Jesus. And, and then share it too with other people. Matthew wrote this so that we would know it. But some people won't know it until we share it. They're, they're not going to open up Matthew, but they, they will listen to you. They, they will be with you. We need to be in this world. We need to be on the committees. We need to be playing on the team or coaching the team or in, in our workplace, getting to know people. Listen, oh, can, I can pray for you. I'll pray for you. You're just offering to pray for people. This, this week I was uh, in... Indianapolis for a sports tournament, and there's this attendant. I'm, I'm actually trying to work on my sermon, and, and this person just started talking to me, and that they had been up like all night. And I could tell they really wanted to talk to stay awake, or they just wanted a chair. And I'm listening. I mean, it, they're very interesting, but I'm like thinking, okay, I want to get back to this because, you know, I want to go to God's work, you know. And this person God had brought in my path for me to, to listen to. And so I gave that gift of listening. And eventually, you know, I was like, I, I kind of need to get back, you know. And so they, they, they were respectful. They let me go and do my work, work on the sermon. And then I went on a run, and I'm praying for this person. So part of sharing the hope of Jesus is just prayer. And then I came back, and I had a, a resource I could give them that, uh, that talked about Jesus. And so I, I, I want to give you this gift. Here, take this, and, you know, you can pass it on. You know, here, here's something I, that's been helpful for me. So... That was how I 
try to figure it out. You know, how do I share Jesus with other people? You know, I, my job gives me this, this venue, this pulpit that I can share, and I thank the Lord for it. Um, but most of us don't have that, and most of our day is not like that. But the Lord has got you here for a reason. And he's called you to be a people, to be a light in the darkness, salt in a bland world. Let's consider how we can share the hope of Jesus. Let's place our hope in Jesus. With that, I'm going to have the worship team come up here and let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for sending Jesus. Thanks for riding our ship and, and forgiving our sins in Jesus' death and giving us a hope of heaven and showing us your power in the resurrection. Lord, we, we need you. We, we desperately need you. Uh, some need to turn from sin today and trust in you. Some of us need to be encouraged. We are struggling. And some of us, we need to know how to use the little time and energy and words and platforms we have to share you. I pray you'd give us opportunities to be bright lights across our little cities that we go back to our homes and workplaces, that you would get glory, that you would be honored, that Jesus would be known. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. Make sure you come back next week to hear the next message in our series.